Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Lisa Ann Markison is sort of a catch-up. Lisa was on our show most recently in May, but the reason why we're recording today is because Lisa was the first guest on our February 29th, 2020 live show marathon. It was a 12-hour show. Lisa was the first guest, and that's why she is now kicking off the month of March in the You, Me, Them, Everybody feed. For the next 30 days or so, we're going to be revisiting what's been going on with most everyone that was part of that 12-hour marathon show. Something that's new that was not part of last year's marathon show is we now have a Patreon account. If you have the means, please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's in this podcast description. It's on our about page. It's incredibly easy to find. I'm glad Lisa's in my life. Here's the conversation. I met you in Washington, D.C. one year ago today. You were living in New York City. You are currently living in the great state of Kentucky. Uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, yes. A complete, co- complex and nuanced region of the world, for sure. So the obvious question is why? Why are you living in Kentucky? Uh, well, we spoke last in May when it was still kind of unsure what was going to happen and i hold on really quick when you say what was going to happen you're referring to the 2020 elections uh well actually the pandemic is what i oh okay cool on the bigger picture uh you know there were a lot of people that were hopeful that things would go back to normal soon uh and that it would kind of blow over uh but i don't know man like i don't want to sound like i'm some nostradamus or anything but i just was like i'm not gonna stick around holding my fingers thinking that uh my normal career is gonna come back in a couple of months and i'm gonna go back to this luxury entertainment lifestyle i just felt like something had kind of like broken. And so I decided that I wanted to do politics, um, go back into political work. I, when we met, I was really interested in international diplomacy and cultural diplomacy. And I've, I've started thinking a lot more about domestic politics when Donald Trump was elected and doing more activist work. And uh, so I came to Kentucky because I heard about well, there's many reasons, but I specifically wanted to work in the political campaign arena in Kentucky because I had heard about the woman who was running against the most evil man left in American politics, Mitch McConnell. Okay. So it's been not a year, but almost a year since you've been in Kentucky. Are you glad you're no longer in New York and you're in Kentucky? Well, it's a complicated question, but the overall answer is yes. I am super, super glad to be here. I can't believe how high my quality of life is considering the situation that we're in. And uh, the people are amazing here. The interesting, the thing I have to point out, just, just in case anyone listens who is the type of person who thinks Kentucky uh, like toothless moonshiners in a holler with no shoes on or something. Um, you know, that's pretty bigoted and extremely overgeneralized and, you know, a trope that is from like the 1800s. And uh, it's a lot more diverse than that. And there's a lot more going on here. I'm in Louisville, mm-hmm. Kentucky, which is like 20 minutes from the capital, Frankfurt. 
and there's a kind of little um, blue splotch on the map politically, which is more red uh, overall, where it, there's Lexington and then Frankfurt and then Louisville in this little line that's about a two hour drive total. So uh, we're right on the Ohio River in the kind of north north central border of the of the state and it's very diverse it's very culturally active it's very progressive politically and um, there's amazing historical homes and awesome food and really wonderful people great music great art uh and yeah and even all that said given that it's the pandemic you know people keep saying to me like oh man like when things come back to life, you're just going to be blown away, but I'm already kind of blown away. So I'm, I'm thrilled. How is the mask usage there in Washington, DC? It's probably the best in the country. Uh, when it comes to you, you leave your house, your mask is on pretty much. And that's the norm here. So how is it there? Yeah. So I think there, there was a time actually the governor of Kentucky is a Democrat. And uh, so at the beginning of the pandemic, they shut down a lot harder than other more kind of sparsely populated areas did. And so really kept the numbers down. Like if you compared Kentucky to Tennessee, it was like crazy different, like just so out of control in Tennessee, which is just south of us, uh, but really under control here. Um, so then people got a little bit lax over the summer and then the numbers started going up. And so then there was like more of a general consensus. We need to like lock it in a little bit better everyone is always masked inside but there was this shift between people being like oh it's fine to just like go without a mask when you're just like walking around to being more like okay if i'm gonna be within six feet of anyone else i'm gonna put my mask on even if i'm outside how is it now that vaccines are rolling out does it feel any different yet or is it still just as tense as it was a few months ago well again i think because Kentucky did a better job than many of its neighbors at the outset. It never got like hyper, hyper paranoid. It was crazy, Brandon. Like I had to go back to New York for work in October and it was like, you know, that was the moment that things were actually like the least concerning in New York and mm -hmm. things had kind of like opened up again and people were going outside and the weather was still good. And the the difference in the energy was so so heavy like the paranoia and the the just like sadness and this like oppressive atmosphere was so so strong in new york even though the like the mask usage was probably about the same but there was like a general like less like gloom and doom despair feeling in louisville does that make sense <laughs> yeah, that absolutely makes sense i feel like dc is probably more in line with New York when it comes to that feeling right now and yeah. I don't know if that's because of the I mean clearly it's because of the pandemic but I wonder how much weather plays into it because it's been raining here and colder here and you can't there was one day last week that hit 60 and it felt nice and it felt like oh this is how it used to be before the pandemic in terms of just like going outside but we can't do that again and we will by the end of the week maybe I wonder how much the weather has to do with this but then I talked to my friends in LA and they're miserable too but the numbers well, there are crazy. LA high. became the epicenter of hell. Like that was, I mean, I'm sorry to laugh, but I think you can't even compare LA in the weather equation because it was just its own anomaly. Do you think you'd like Kentucky as much as if you weren't in Louisville, a city that's has been well known as like this liberal bubble for a long time? 
Oh, absolutely not. I really okay. couldn't see myself living anywhere other than here. Uh, and even even Lexington, when we first visited, we were like, oh, maybe Lexington, you know, it's a college town. It's got cool restaurants. It's got beautiful architecture. But the difference is just like night and day. It's really like, I mean, for instance, like if you just talk about wanting to have like a relatively diverse, uh, you know, society, mm -hmm. it's like 98% white in Lexington, mm -hmm. whereas there's like uh, something like 24% uh, black folks here. I don't want to rain on your parade. I think that you're a wonderful person. And if anything, I bring <laughs> way too much negativity in your life. But looking back, did you actually think that there was any chance Mitch McConnell wouldn't be reelected? Well, that's actually a great question. I'm glad you asked because I haven't reflected on it that much. Are since, you being serious? Uh, oh, no. I mean, I reflected on it immediately after, but I haven't thought about it now. Like, you know, so now it's been like five months and mm -hmm. I haven't thought about it since then. Um so I was extremely optimistic, as you know. That's sort of like my thing. And, and it's a good it, thing. I wish I had your optimism, and that's com that's completely sincere. Well, there was like um, – it's, it's hard to say because, like, they train you when you're working with the campaign to sort of take the polls with a grain of salt and not to, like – to try to avoid letting your mood go up and down based on a good or bad poll and to just focus on the individuals that you can reach. You know, it's not about, uh, oh, we're going to be able to convince like this off the deep end QAnon Trump McConnell freak to consider a moderate Democrat. It's like the people that are really under-informed and right in the middle that we can touch on a human level and show an alternative. I actually had a t not a ton. I had a, at least a dozen really nuanced and net positive conversations, particularly with women who I got the impression, whether kind of overtly or less, less overt, was um, I got the impression that they were kind of brainwashed by their husbands and or even they're just their families or their churches and that they actually were kind of taught that they didn't have their own political opinions but then when you talk to them more and actually get curious about them they do have opinions and those opinions really align a lot more with uh what could be seen as a liberal platform so anyway to answer your question <laughs> uh i knew it was very very unlikely but i will say that i was horrified by how badly she actually did no <laughs> one no one thought that she was going to lose by so much we Hold really hope don't say no one no one no one that i knew there you go well once again don't say no one you knew what oh you 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 did. oh clearly uh, yes okay no one that i was in communication with during the That's campaign fair. yes thought that okay. she was going to lose by that much um okay fair enough uh that being said one of the biggest problems right now, besides the well, but hold on, because go ahead, because she did so good during that debate. Did you watch oh, you don't the think, debate? You think that matters? I don't know. It it, was just I don't think it matters moment. at all. Was, that moment really gave me a lot of hope. Debates then, don't matter. Almost they they almost don't matter. Period. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing was, I think the you know I don't believe that Charles Booker would have won. At I think all, he would have done but, a little bit better. But I think he could have done a little bit better because there were so many people that were just like, 
Actually, if you don't mind me just getting off track a little bit, I'll tell you one particular anecdote that really changed the way that I look at mainstream American politics. Please continue. Uh, I got here and I, my sort of field organizer role was to try to activate artists, young people, people of color, uh, college people, you know, people that I'm used to interacting with basically. And so we started this like art series, this open mic kind of thing. And it actually was very fun. And, and I met some awesome people, but there were a lot of people who refused to be a part of it because they didn't even want to be associated in any way with the name Amy, Amy McGrath. One of the people who I spoke with is a young black woman from the West end of Louisville. And she studied political science in college and was like extremely, extremely well-spoken about the, the kind of like theoretical issues. And she told me that the reason that she was not going to say anything positive on any platform about Amy McGrath, even though she knew that Mitch McConnell was horrible and was, was, you know, the bane of the kind of like the, the center of the knot of the failure of our system she said, she, when you're at the very, very bottom of society and you see an Amy McGrath and you see a Mitch McConnell and you're so, so far beneath them in terms of your access and your privilege, you literally cannot see any difference between them. Mm-hmm. When you're more privileged and you you are higher up on this hierarchy, oh yeah, you can see the nuance. You can say, oh wow, she really could actually do some good it's it's a non-starter for people who have nothing because they just see two flabby, white, rich faces. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I get all that. So, yeah, that just... I hadn't really thought of it like that before. Fair. Fair. Um, I was going to go with something positive here with the, you going... You essentially... You went to Kentucky for a lot of reasons, but I think you went mostly for the McGrath campaign... To... Well, that's the reason I went quickly, right? Yes, like, exactly. I think I would have ended up in a place like Louisville eventually, and I knew that I loved it here, but like, I probably wouldn't have like rushed over there if it wasn't for the pandemic and wanting to get involved. With there it. we go. And that's what I wanted to get to is the pandemic. And this is what I was alluding to before. I love talking to people like you, but unless I set up a time to talk to you, I'm not talking to you for months at a time where... Mm-hmm. In our olden times, you might be in D.C. for something and we would see each other that evening or that afternoon. And that was normal. So you you are now meeting people. You've met people during a global pandemic because of this campaign. Is that how you have formed your social circle in moving to a new city during a pandemic? No, actually, it was so weird because most of the people that I interacted with were... um, like Northeastern transplants that had been like shifted by the DNC from the Warren campaign. (laughs) (laughs) And they were all like, you know, 22 year old gender non-conforming like actors and philosophers and all these people who had just gotten excited about like doing something good right after college kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, did you feel old? Uh, mm, I'll tell you this, I never really felt old because, again, it wasn't like we were doing lots of like partying and things that take lots of stamina and whatever. I felt really respected. I felt like super smart and super, um, you know, it's been interesting, actually, in the past couple years, the feeling of going from the 
wacky young startup person who's like trying things out and like falling down on her face and whatever to being more of like the person who's like oh she's a professional like she you should get her to consult for you she has good ideas like she has a reputation she has like um you know clout and experience mm -hmm. so yeah i felt like that um, but most of them left actually uh and you know went back to their lives and to or you know went back to whatever they hope to do next. And um, I, I developed a group of friends through uh, New York transplants. Okay. For the most part. <laughs> How many New York transplant friends do you have right now in Louisville? Quite a few. So uh, I still do some remote work. And uh, one of my clients is freelancing females, this like enormous international group that helps women entrepreneurs. And uh, my client, the founder, she has a, had a friend, her boyfriend, I don't know, you know, she had a connection. She was like, oh my God, this woman moved to Louisville to work in the, yeah, you guessed it, bourbon industry. <laughs> uh, you should meet her. And so we met and became very close friends and she's awesome. Uh, she's like the exact opposite of me. She was like a marathon runner and like <laughs> really serious professional. And uh, then another New Yorker who I had been connected with through another friend um, who I had only met like two times in New York, she and her boyfriend both kind of like came here when their careers were put on hold because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we all just got get along so great and had such an awesome time being here that um, when Devin and I bought our house, they decided to buy a house. The other girl bought a house. We all have these like old historic homes in the center of town now. Holy shit, you bought a house? Yeah, yeah. I bought a haunted mansion in Old Louisville, which is the only place in the country that it, it has its second to San Francisco in terms of... Uh, Victorian homes. As soon as we're not recording, I want to know more about this and ask all the questions that you're not supposed to ask people in public. Oh, like how much did the house cost? Yeah, but all I have to do is like ask your address and I'll find out. But that's not the point. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could tell you all the details. It's really, it's quite, it's quite amazing. That's, I'm so happy for you. Good for you. That's awesome. That's completely sincere. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait for you guys to visit. Yeah, me neither. Um, speaking of you guys and visiting, you were... You've given my son one of my favorite gifts, and I told you this before. You were kind of yeah. to come to the show, one of the last shows you did, unfortunately. It was in September of 2019. It was at the Kennedy Center, and you showed up because you had a gig that night, and you dropped him off a little octopus, which he still has, which is really creepy. But more importantly, you wrote him a poem, which we have framed, and so I see it every day, multiple times a day, and that's like a, <laughs> such a lovely, lovely thing. So I guess the question is, how is the business? What is the business these days? Yeah, so, uh, well, a big, big picture, Ars Poetica is still alive and thriving. Um, obviously, a lot of our poets have kind of um, di dispersed themselves from the major metropolitan areas where most of them were before, and so they're kind of scattered at the moment, but we still have plenty of people available for gigs, and we've done uh, remote gigs, and we've done kind of like COVID-safe, distanced, small weddings and that kind of stuff. Um, and I just, I've been taking like longer term, bigger projects that are more like activist oriented and more, um, I don't know how to just, how to say like more just mission driven projects as opposed to just doing the luxury entertainment thing. Mm -hmm. And that's been, uh, very enlightening, uh, difficult at times. It's so different when you're dealing with, um, 
it's all fun and games and you're going to do a one-off performance. You know, it's like you're communicating with the client and it's like, oh, how can we make the attendee feel the most amazing? And how will the lighting be? And, um, you know, will the poets be given enough booze as part of their contract? Mm -hmm. These kind of things versus now it's like, um, hey, if this, if the mission of this organization that I'm helping do community outreach doesn't succeed, like how many people will die from food apartheid? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's really different, but, um, yeah. and, and developing relationships is harder because, because uh, you can't meet in person, you know, it's like, I'm working with a lot of people who I have just never even gotten to like give a hug, which is sort of sad. Uh, but my biggest project is helping a bunch of activists in Louisville open a cooperative grocery store. Oh, that's great. Um, here's yeah. an uncomfortable question. Are you able to pay your mortgage with this new type of client slash partner? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, it was weird. I was like doing my accounting for the end of year, giving everyone their W-9s and everything. And I, I definitely had a significant drop in income. I actually might uh, go for that second round of PPP yeah. that's um, specifically for solopreneurs and blah, blah, blah. But um, uh, a significant drop, but only like 40% drop. Not okay. like, not as much as uh, some more catastrophic folks have suffered. Well, that's good, right? In a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the cost of living, as you can imagine, is uh, significantly lower here. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's like probably about 40% of what you were paying. Uh, our mortgage is 40% what our rent was. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. What do you miss about New York? Do you miss anything about New York or D.C. for that matter? Uh, well, I have a problem where I've lived in a lot of places and I miss everywhere all the time, okay. but, uh, I, I miss, I miss like, you know, sweeping landscapes and feelings and energy and these type of things that, um, are hard to kind of quantify. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I dream, I dream almost exclusively of San Francisco, which is odd because you haven't I, lived there in a long time it's been a very long time since i lived there yeah but it's like it always ends up being like the dream is set in san francisco uh or something like san francisco i think about dc so much because so many of my closest friends still are people that i met during the two and a half years that i lived there oh wow that was it yeah oh, yeah wow. it's so it's so amazing uh you know, I stay in touch with you and Philippa and Micah and Dina and um, who else? Those are the main ones, but those are like, you know, my inner sanctum people. And uh, oh, and Armando, of course, but he, you know, wanders the world. And <laughs> Not anymore. He, I don't think he's left D.C. I mean, he's done D.C. like project stuff. So he's like been to Texas and Florida, but like. This is the longest he's not left the country in I think I don't, years. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where he is right now. I got the impression he was uh, off the grid. Unfortunately, like, I know exactly where he is right now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> if it was up to maybe, him, he would not be in Washington D.C. right now. with me because he like he like really likes to um, tease me when we when we text each other. Armando's one of those guys. I love him because we'll go from like he'll text me and we'll text back and forth like ten times, and then he won't get back to me for like two weeks. And I also think he's like in a different country. And then I check Twitter, and he's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he's fine. He's amazing. Uh, oh, where were we talking about this? Oh, do I miss DC? Do I miss New York? Um, I don't think it's possible for me to really miss them right now mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the crisis of our society. Yeah. I just, I don't even have that like feeling. So no. When is the last time you were in San Francisco? Uh, well, actually I was there um, almost exactly this time last year yeah. because I, uh, I had a gig and then um, my brother was pregnant. Well, my brother and his girlfriend were pregnant and they were having their baby shower. And so we got to go to their baby shower. It was like, it was, COVID was like a whisper and people were like, Mm -hmm. it was like, but of course they didn't cancel because it was still so early on. Um, And yeah, so that was the last time I was there. Do you want to go back? Uh, Do you miss your family? Are you okay with where you are do you see any reason to get on a plane to go there right now well right now no because my parents are pretty pretty heavily quarantined like Mm -hmm. they definitely don't want to get sick and uh i miss them so much that it's like a little scary i actually was just speaking on the phone to my mom yesterday and she decided she wanted to talk about like her end of life planning (laughs) and i just was like bawling i was i just could not handle it and uh yeah i miss them so so much and they've been so lonely and so sad and uh their dogs passed away during the pandemic Mm -hmm. these two dogs they've lived with for like 10 years and have just loved so much and they actually just adopted um two cats and that's just been so good for them and yeah i miss them a lot but i think they'll actually come out here first because they really want to see the house and i'm assuming they're either on their way to get vaccinated or have been partially vaccinated at this point yeah my dad is actually this is so cute he's like a volunteer firefighter and so he got he got a vaccine and then my mom will be like in the next round that's great it's uh, obviously a weird time, and the topic of conversation on the February 29th, 2020 podcast that was on for 12 hours, you were the first guest, and you mentioned- I love being your early morning guest. <laughs> the bar wasn't even open yet. It was great. Um, you and literally everyone that talked about politics that day were mostly focused on the recent Bernie primary wins. Mm. Looking back, did you- this sort of answered it with the McGrath question, but like if Bernie had won the nomination, do you think Bernie would have been president? Yes. Okay. Okay. I respectfully disagree. I, I mean, I guess I don't really see the point of believing no, because why? No, I get that too. Yeah. Like I just, I don't think it's, Actually, God, I feel so emotional. I just don't think it's fair that we have to live in a world where we have to hypothesize about that and we're not allowed to actually think that there's a different option than the same fucking neoliberal piece of shit. I'm so, I'm so sick of the system that tells us that we cannot create our own alternative and build the society that we want. You are building the society you want. 
Yeah, but we can only do it in these like tiny little siloed bubbles. Like you have no idea, Brandon, how difficult it is to even try to open a grocery co-op, which is literally a tried and true model for a hundred years, you know, mm -hmm. like this is not even, it, it feels so radical and it feels like the whole freaking world is against us because we want to actually take this teeny tiny piece of power back from a corporate entity and put it into the hands of the community. It's, it's just, it's really hard. <laughs> but it's sort of what you've always wanted to do. It's like why you went to school. Well, I don't know why I went to school. I think I went to school because it was just like the thing that you were supposed to do. And it was a great reason to get out of the house. But fine. It's why you majored uh, in what you majored in. Well, honestly, Brandon, I don't really know. Like I, I majored in what I majored in because I was interested in that. Yeah. I was like, okay, international studies, politics, religion. These are all things that interplay international communications, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like these are just things that I like and have a proclivity toward. I wasn't like, and what I'm going to do with this, how I'm going to implement these skills and ideas is like, I had no idea. I just. Sure. But like, what is your company doing? What were you talking about 10 minutes ago? And what were you talking about a minute ago? You're working with groups that are making the world, hopefully a better place. And then I don't think there's more direct action than food. And you're, you're working exactly. on opening a co-op that is that. No, yeah, yes, yes, you're right. It yes. checks all of the I, boxes. It, it it ticks all the boxes, and that's why it's so crazy, right? Because, like, I don't think I would have actually gone this route this quickly or, like, figured out my, I don't know, where where I could make more impact with my skills if it wasn't for Donald Trump getting elected and the pandemic breaking out, you know? It was, like, these two huge things that really made me shift my perspective into big leaps in terms of, I don't know, being like a little bit more pragmatic and being a little bit less like, I don't know what the word is, like less focused on just like the cutenesses and niceties and uh, the, the art for art's sake and these more like frivolous things. Do you think that a younger version of yourself would, scoff at the person that would say art for art's sake <laughs> and use no. the adjective frivolous? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so because I actually looking at the arc of my life, which Dina says I should be starting writing a memoir, but um, <laughs> I don't like it when people that are like so young put out memoirs though. I feel like it's like I should be at least middle-aged before I put out a memoir. Uh, the the arc i was never like a fancy frivolous person even as a kid i i was always working and always having a new idea and something ambitious and something that i wanted to be helpful i always always wanted to be helpful i think that's part of the reason i didn't get into art until i was so much older was because i didn't see how art could be so helpful What do you hope happens in the next 12 months? If we talk again on March 1st, how, how do you see uh, your life changing? Again, when when we talk in approximately a year. Sure. When we talk on March 1st, 2022, how will uh, your life be different? Oh, wow. What an interesting question. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, so with the grocery store project, 
there's this huge, huge leap between where we're at in our organizing and the capacity to have a full size grocery store. And so I'm trying to push for um, an activation of a smaller store that will just be like a very basic, almost like imagine like an extremely healthy, accessible bodega mm-hmm. uh, with like local vegetables and stuff. Um, so I want us to be able to open that in the next couple months and have that thrive and build our capacity and um you know generate revenue and continue to drive like education because people just don't even get uh what it means to own a co-op for the most part like the the edu- the the learning curve is so steep so um i hope that in a year that will have been operating for at least 6 or 7 months and will be kind of functioning smoothly and will be um building out the full size grocery store to open um maybe summer 2022 good luck uh, and then on like a more personal side i actually, God, I don't even know what I want, like my personal side to be like, (laughs) I hope that my relationship is still great. And (laughs) I hope my house doesn't fall down. And is the house uh, about to fall down? Is the relationship about to fall down? No, no, no. I'm just thinking about what are the things that I need to be like happy and stable. Uh, (laughs) The house is actually really, really good. And uh, it's funny, my relationship with my fiance has just been like, magical this whole time we've just really gotten closer and closer and not really had too many of the typical like quarantine troubles relationship wise i don't know brandon i don't know what i hope i just i just hope it's um i hope it's just not business as usual that's what i hope you me them everybody is made by me brandon weatherby our theme music is by daniel knox our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at youmethemeverybody.com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, youmethemeverybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our About page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. At sign Y-M-T-E. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping, friends and family.